Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, visit www.dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to tune in for this week's message. And I say all that to say there's a place for all of us to use our gifts and to serve. Amen? Amen. Well, we are concluding our series in the month of February titled Fighting for Your Family. Fighting for Your Family. And today we're going to conclude. I want to teach a message today, the power of a dad. The power of a dad. Now, I want to upfront clarify that when we use the word power, we're not talking about the authoritarian rule of a dad. When we talk about the power of a dad, we're talking about the influence of a dad, that the power of the influence that a dad plays in the life of his children. I want to start by reading in Nehemiah 4 and verse 14. Last week, Pastor Craig mentioned that the foundation for this series and the title of this series comes from this passage. But Nehemiah 4 and verse 14 says, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. I'd like to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that that name is above every name. I thank you that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and he destroyed the works of the devil and the power of the enemy is defeated in Jesus Christ's name. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would enforce the victory of Jesus, that grace and mercy would prevail in hearts and minds, that you would surround us with songs of deliverance, that you would comfort and encourage us with your very manifest presence. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to feel me, to be the voice behind the voice, to communicate Christ and truth, who he is. We thank you for this. We praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. One father, everybody say one father, is worth more than a hundred schoolmasters. It's an old English proverb. In fact, maybe you're aware, maybe you're not, but 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. What is the bottom line of those stats? The bottom line is there is power in the influence of a dad. In fact, point established, message over, see you next, see you Thursday. The stats make it clear that there is the power of a dad, that there is the influence of a dad. I want to give simple advice up front to you dads today. I being a dad, for going on eight plus years, three children, married for 14 years, my lovely wife Michelle, who worships with me in the early gathering, and then serves in the children's ministry. But I want to give two simple, important points up front, dads. First, read Proverbs often. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God for a purpose. And the book of Proverbs is given for the purpose of instructing our children in wisdom and justice and equity. Secondly, maybe do not use these jokes when around the friends of your kids. Here's a couple. Can February, March? No, but April, May. I gave all my dead batteries away today, free of charge. What's the best thing about elevator jokes? They work on so many levels. How do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. Read Proverbs often, and maybe don't use those jokes around your kids' friends. 
Brings him back to what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 4.14. He says, after I look things over. That's what I love about biblical faith. Biblical faith is not ignoring the stats. Biblical faith is not ignoring what is easy and what is common to people's experience. Biblical faith allows you to look things over. But because there's a biblical faith, after you look things over, you stand up. He says, I looked things over and then I stood up and I said to people, remember the Lord. Don't be afraid of the stats. Don't be afraid of being a failure. Don't be afraid that God can't use you to influence your children for His namesake and for His kingdom. Look things over. Don't be afraid of the facts. Then stand up and remember the Lord who's great and awesome. And then fight for your families, for your sons and for your daughters, for your wives and for your homes. Fight for your families. Fight for your son. Fight for your daughters, fight for your children. Nehemiah encapsulates the power of a dad. The power to look things over and yet stand up because there is a great God that can empower us and help us to fight for our children, to fight for our families. I want to stir things up more this morning. The power of a dad is not in being a perfect dad, but a purposeful dad. Oftentimes, many dads feel like a failure. Many dads feel like that they can't be used of God because they're trying to reach this standard of perfection according to the English language. Well, listen to me. The power of a dad is not that you're a perfect dad, but you're a purposeful dad. The power of a dad is not that you're a perfect dad, but you're a pursuing dad. Pursuing the things of God. Pursuing after your children. The power and the influence of a dad is not in being a perfect dad, but a persevering dad. In fact, did you know there has never been a perfect dad ever to live upon the earth? Even before Adam had a child, he had already sinned. There's never been a perfect dad, and yet all throughout history, you see in the example of scriptures, fathers that God used to be a blessing for His namesake, for His kingdom, to the lives of the generations to come. Take comfort in this, fathers. Take comfort in this, parents. That your influence and power doesn't lie in being perfect, but you do need to be purposeful. You need to be full of purpose. You need to be full of pursuit of God. You need to be full of the pursuit of the adventure of the kingdom of God. You need to have some perseverance in your fathering. I find good balance and consolation in this quote. The kings, talking about the kings in the Bible, teach us that a good man simply cannot rely on his example to meet the needs of his son or his child. A godly example is a great gift. But the kings teach us that a man must be intentional in his father, fathering. Notice the balance. A godly example is important. Being a dad that is full of purpose, full of a sense that, that God has a purpose for me, that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Having that sense of purpose in your dad is a great godly example. Being a pursuer of God, somebody that pursues the kingdom of God and the ways of God through prayer and through gathering and fellowshipping with believers and encountering the voice of God through Scripture is important. Being a dad that perseveres, that you don't allow trials and your mistakes and things of life to keep you from checking out from the family. See, a fatherless home doesn't mean necessarily that there's not a man running around the home. It means someone that has checked out. They're not persevering in God's adventure and in pursuing the kingdom of God and God's purpose for their life. But a godly example matters. Proverbs 20 and 7 says, the righteous man walks in his integrity. What's the result? His children are blessed after him. They're set up to be empowered. So what we are does matter, but the consolation and the comfort, dads, is you don't have to be a perfect dad. Your example doesn't have to be perfect. And even if you feel like you're a dad and you've done very well and yielding to the work of God's Spirit and the empowering grace of God in your fathering, being a godly example still isn't enough. The balance is, and the quote said, a man must be intentional in his fathering. Must be intentional. You've got to be intentional to mold the foundations of the next generation. Foundations doesn't just happen on their own. For instance, the power of dad is also not in the raising of a perfect child, but a purposeful child. The power of a dad is not in raising a perfect child, but in raising a pursuing child. 
The power of a dad is not in raising a perfect child, but raising a persevering child. I think of Proverbs 23 and 15. My son, my child, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice indeed. I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Notice what Solomon says. He says, my inmost being will rejoice, not child when you're perfect, but child when you have a heart after wisdom. When you have a heart after wisdom. When your heart is purposed towards wisdom. When your heart is pursuing wisdom. The ability to rightly apply knowledge. When your heart is pursuing and persevering in wisdom. Why can we rejoice when our children have a heart after wisdom? Because none of our children are going to be perfect. And it's not in having a perfect child that we find rejoicing. What we rejoice is is that we have a child whose heart is after wisdom. Who's pursuing wisdom and the plan of God and the purpose of God. I want to use an acronym today to communicate this message that I believe helps summarize the power and the influence of a dad in molding wise children. The acronym is this. I'll give it to you up front. The first D stands for destination direction. The A stands for acquired to accelerate. And the last D stands for dream defense and dream deposits. Let us start with the first D, destination direction. I want to use the story of God, the creator and the father of Adam and Eve and and Adam and his relationship with his children to illustrate this. Follow me to Genesis 2 and beginning in verse 16. In Genesis 2 and verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, uh, air, to every beast of the field. For Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now watch this, Genesis 5, 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now let me break it down for you. Notice God the Father, the Creator, first gives destination direction. He gives destination direction to Adam. He gives Adam early on a sense of purpose, a sense that there is a destination, there is a reason for his existence, and he gives him direction to help him move towards that go, move towards that destination and that purpose. What does the Father tell him? He says, listen, of every tree you can eat, you can eat of the tree of life, you can eat in all the other trees, but there's one tree do not eat from. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. But if you eat of every other tree, you shall live. He's giving them destination direction. He gives further destination direction in Genesis 1 when he tells Adam and Eve, he blesses them, and he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, have dominion. Fathers, we are wise to follow in God's the Father's footsteps and give destination direction to our children. What did God the Father do? He framed their existence, and we would be wise to frame the existence of our children, that they have a purpose That our children grow up with a sense of destination direction. That there is a purpose for me. There is a God-given purpose. That I don't exist here on this earth by happenstance. But I'm on this earth for a purpose. There is a destination. There is a goal. There is a plan for my life. And we begin to help them have direction towards that destination. Life is not to be aimless. Life is not to be careless. We would be wise fathers to instill in them a sense of purpose and that there is direction available to them. That there is life and death. That life is not a gamble. It's not a joke. That there is right and wrong. There are principles that God has created of how this universe and how this earth works. Things are not just randomly occurring. Things have not just spawned to be. There is a north. There is a south. There is an east and a west. There are true anchors of truth that can give our children a sense of direction that helps them as they move towards this sense of a destination, this sense of a God-given purpose for their life. In fact, as fathers, as leaders, as influencers 
to other children and people in the community and around us, we would be wise to get their focus on such truths. See, we live in a changing world. All facts and everything shows that. The amount of knowledge is multiplying even as I stand here and speak with the internet. Articles being published, the multiplication of knowledge is multiplying. Things are speeding up. Things are always changing. Every time I finally get my iPhone 4 figured out, yes, I still have a 4, they're already like on a 6 and a 7. Things are rapidly changing and without this sense of a destination direction, without our children having a sense that there are some things that are unchanging, there are some things that God has established that gives them a sense, a framework of their existence, what happens is children feel overwhelmed and they lose this sense of a destination and direction and they walk about aimless with no sense of purpose. See, let me tell you, even though we live in the midst of a changing world, There is something that is unchanging. It's called the Word of God. We would be wise to frame and get the focus of our children's focus on that which is unchanging, the unchanging eternal truths from God's Word. I like what Dr. Henry Cloud, a Christian psychologist and counselor, says. He says, structure, stability, security, routine, and predictability are all necessary for our brains to function at their highest levels. You say, why is the next generation, why are people on the earth, why do they act so crazy? Why does it seem like they have no sense? i tell you why. Because fathers have the power to frame the existence of children, to give them a sense of purpose, to give them a sense that there is direction that will help them move towards their destination. Without that framework, without that sense of structure and stability, that in the midst of a changing world, there are some things that never change. People shut down. Children shut down. They get overwhelmed. They get paralyzed by fear. I like what Steve Farrar says. A son needs purpose, a plan, patience, and a path. Same's for a daughter. Notice he didn't say they need all the details. The power of a dad is not in communicating all the details of life. In fact, you might find the devil is in the details. Fights and friction might come in the details. How you should dress, how you should wear your hair, how this or that. The devil can show up in the details. The power of a dad, though, is in the big picture. It's instilling a sense of direction for the right destination. There is a big picture of life and death. There is a big picture of heaven and hell. Notice also from the text that we read that God said it's not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make him a helper. A helper that is comparable to him. Of course, this is speaking of God forming Eve for Adam. But there's an important insight for us fathers and for leaders when considering the power of a dad and giving destination direction. Notice God made one comparable to him, not a clone for him. God made a comparable to him, not a clone. See, listen, your children, my children, our children, they have a will. They're not robots. They're not clones. Your children, my children, our children have an ability to choose. This is what God the Father did. He gives Adam a sense of purpose. He frames Adam's existence. He lets Adam understand that he was created to be a part of something bigger than him, that there is direction, there are some things that are unchanging that will help get him to the destination. But then he makes it clear to Adam, you have a choice. You have a choice. If you eat from the right trees, you'll live. Life will go well for you on the earth. If you eat from the wrong tree, you will die. And things will become very difficult and sorrowful on the earth. See, this is the power of a dad. We can instill the reality of choices. It is a reality. It's not a sarah, sarah, whatever is meant to be just happens. No, 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 no. God has given His creation a choice. Good Fathers instill this awareness of choices. Also instill the awareness of right and wrong. There is morality. There is a moral compass. There is right and wrong and therefore there are consequences. This is the power of a dad communicating that to our children. I like what also Dr. Henry Cloud goes on to say. He says, help them get a sense of what they can control that affects results and empowers them to exercise that control, and you have brains firing. 
You know why there's such a lack of motivation so often in the next generation and we feel like they're less motivated than our generation? Do you know why that oftentimes comes? It comes because the generation above them didn't instill in them a sense of how they're empowered to make choices. That they're not just robots and they're not just subject to everything. That God has given them the ability to make some choices. And if they make right choices, God begin will work through those right choices and will begin to order their steps. But notice God gave Adam a wife comparable to him, not a clone of him. So Adam and Eve have son number one, Cain. Then they have son number two, Abel. But notice what the Scripture said. After 130 years, the Scripture says, Adam begot a son in his own likeness after his image, and named him Seth. It's a very interesting highlight. Eve was not after Adam's image. But now it says, after 130 years, Adam has begot a son after his image. Do we not face this same thing in 2016 right here today? That we're tempted to seek to make our children after our image? Instead of giving them a destination direction, for how they are to display God's image and the unique way that they're created to display His image, we try to make them become a clone of our image. Sometimes we fail to get the education we desired, so we seek to make sure they get the education we always wanted. We seek to make them more in the image we have for them instead of the image God has for them. Maybe some of you are like me. We you grew up playing sports. I was outside every day of summer, played sports always growing up, and maybe you did as well. So we played baseball or whatever, and so we take our son that first time to the ball field, and the son takes the baseball, and he gets out like a magic lighter, and he lights the ball. He thinks it's a bomb. And then he throws it over the fence, and it hits a car in the parking lot, and the alarm's going off. <clears throat> Because our son is wired to have imagination and creativity, but come hell and high water, we're going to march our son every season to the ballpark. Do we not face that temptation? To try to make clones and not set them up for the destination and direction that God has for them. See, we start perceiving them as a possible clone and not an individual person. We forget that our children is just comparable to us, but not a clone of us nor for us. The power of a dad is to give them destination direction. Also, that it's okay, child, that you're not perfect. But God still has a way to get His unique image restored in your life. God still has a way for you to manifest Christ in the way you're uniquely called to by God. See, listen to me. The power of a dad is not having dominion over them, but giving direction to them. Sure, God the Father could have looked at His creation and looked at you and me and said, my ability to influence is that I'm going to have dominion over you. I'm going to tell you every time to cross the T and dot the I. I'm going to tell you every time you're faced with a choice what to do. I'm going to do, you know, just have dominion over you. Listen, the power of a dad's not having dominion over our children. It's in giving direction to our children. It's framing Morality, it's framing their existence, it's framing right and wrong, it's framing rewards and consequences. See, we have to have our children understand that even after they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that there's still direction available for them. That even after they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they make mistakes, there still is a destination. There is still God's purpose for them. That it's still not too late for them to arrive at the ultimate destination. And that there still is direction for them, even if they've been lost for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. That even after they try to hide themselves in shame and guilt and that I can't be used of God, that there still is a sense of purpose for them. That even after they try to fix their mistakes by sewing fig leaves together, that there still is a destination, direction for them. 
That God still has a way no matter how far off of the way they have gone. And that way, His name is Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how far our children get from God, the way Jesus Christ can come to where they're at and become a door to them, a door of forgiveness, a door of a new start, a door of mercy and new life for them. We have to instill a sense of grace and mercy and forgiveness in our children that it doesn't matter how bad it gets, there is a way named Jesus that can come to you and open a new door of opportunity for God's purpose for your life. But to do that, we have to understand that. we got to understand the gospel. That yes, maybe we've made mistakes in our business and mistakes in our marriage and mistakes in decision making, but that there still is grace. There still is mercy. There still is the availability that the Holy Spirit can lead us and direct us and open new doors for us. That there is a new start and resurrection power is available to raise us up over where we fail. See, the power of a dad is in communicating the gospel that we all need. Even our child. How to deal with failure because failure is going to... Do you know how you influence that, Dad? Is that you live out the reality of our own failure to our children. See, when we live out the reality of our own failure to God the Father, we can even be open and confessional and transparent to our children and we can own our mistakes. We can help them understand that I haven't reached where I've reached in my business, in my marriage, in life by being perfect. We break off that live perfection so robs people of purpose and pursuit. We say, you know, child, I've messed up. I've messed up at times with you. Will you forgive me? We model the gospel. There's forgiveness, there's openness, there's transparency. We don't have to hide because we haven't hid from God the Father and He's still opened doors for us. He's still forgiven us. He's still given us a new start and He'll do the same for you, children. So D, destination direction, instilling in our children a sense of purpose, framing their existence. A sense of just keep moving in the direction. Just keep understanding you have a purpose. Then that leads us to the A, acquiring for acceleration. Let me explain it. Genesis 3.20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Eve was the mother of life. She was the mother of all living. And then Genesis 4.1 says, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, watch this, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Listen, Adam knew the mother of life, and he acquired a child, a son. Do you know what Cain's name means? It means acquired. Acquired. Adam knew the mother of all the living and he acquired life from the mother of all life. It's like what the psalmist said. Let me explain it further. Psalms 127 and 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. See, the power of dad is acquiring life for acceleration. If you've been given a child, you've been given, you have acquired life. To accelerate what? To accelerate the plan and purpose of God. To accelerate the life of God on the earth. See, a child acquired from the Lord is like an arrow. An arrow that needs to be directed towards the right destination, but a child is also like an arrow in the hand of a warrior. Listen, to be accelerated forward in victory, in forward progress, and in manifesting the life of God and the kingdom of God. See, in Genesis 1, God tells us part of our purpose as His creation. Go and be fruitful and multiply my life, my image upon the earth, that I'm kind, that I'm merciful, that I'm compassionate, that I faileth not, that I am love, that the fruit of my spirit is peace and joy and self-control. Go and multiply my image upon the earth. And Adam acquired the life of child of a child to accelerate God's image and kingdom upon the earth. If the world around us is going to see a God that's invisible, they have to see it through the life of one who is manifesting the invisible God, manifesting Christ. And that is the power of a dad, is you have acquired life that can be like an arrow to cause the very goodness and quality of God to be manifested to those around. Manifesting. See, life can only beget life. 
Lessons can only beget lessons. Knowledge can beget knowledge. Wisdom can beget wisdom. But seeds reproduce after their kind. And you've been given life, and if you'll get the life of Christ on the inside of you, you've been given children to accelerate that life being in them so that it becomes visible to friends and people around them. What am I saying? I'm saying the power of a dad is that you have acquired life that can beget God's life. Your children can cause people to have an encounter with an invisible God. Your children can affect nations and generations of families by manifesting the fruit of God's Spirit to their friends who get born again and come into the kingdom of God. You have acquired life to accelerate God's life and image and purpose on the earth. I'll think of what Proverbs 8.32 says. Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. This is the father to his children. Saying blessed, listen children, what is the father doing? He's taken what the father God has taught him and he is accelerating those lessons in his children. Listen, if you follow Jesus, you've learned some things. Even if you've been awake for a moment in life, you've at least observed and seen something. And the power of a dad is you can accelerate what life and God and the Holy Spirit has taught you in the arrows that God has given you, that they don't have to wait until they're 50 to learn the lesson you've learned. You can pour that lesson into them now. You can accelerate what you've acquired for the kingdom of God. Oh, that's good news. Oh, what an honor to accelerate the purpose and truth and lessons on the earth. See, the power of a dad is to accelerate the main things. I didn't have a dad that, that, uh, that taught me how to change oil and timing belts and all that stuff. But listen, that's not the power of a dad that can help. But I'm talking about the power of a dad is to accelerate the main things. Because if I know how to do everything on cars and know how to make a million dollars, but I don't know how to respond to life. So here's what I'm talking about, dads. The power of dad is you've acquired a child to accelerate seekers. This is the main thing. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. In fact, things are only good in your life to the level that you have learned to seek first the kingdom. And we can accelerate a main thing that God is looking for seekers because He promised if you'll seek after me, you'll find me. God promised if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. God is wanting seekers and you have the ability to accelerate seekers. Seekers of God's wisdom. Seekers of the plan of God. Seekers of the presence, the manifest presence of God. Because Jesus said if you'll seek, you'll find. Seekers. That they understand when they may have to make a choice for college and they're faced with four options. What should they do when they're faced that? I'll tell you what they should do. They should seek first the kingdom. When they got two girls interested in them and they're thinking, which one should I date first? You have accelerated, what should they do? They should seek first the kingdom. When they start making so much money that they, after their tithe and offering and paying their bills, they got all kinds of other money. What should they do with it? You have accelerated a seeker. They know what to do. They're to seek first the kingdom. Because Jesus said, if you'll get some seekers seeking first the kingdom, He'll add to them all that they need for life and godliness. Seekers. You don't need children to understand how to cross every T and dot every I, but if you'll get them seeking God early and His kingdom first, that's what they need. Secondly, the power of a dad is to accelerate learners. Is that not what Jesus said? He said, as you're going into all the world, make disciples. Disciples, Matthew, it means a learner. Make learners who are constantly learning about my kingdom, about my ways, about my nature. This is the power of a dad. Is that for some of you, it took you making 10 years of wrong choices before you learned what it means to follow Jesus. You can accelerate a learner. You can accelerate a disciple. You can accelerate someone that is growing in the grace and the knowledge of God. I love what Henry Ford said. He said, anyone who stops learning is old. Whether at 20 or 80. But anyone who keeps learning stays young. See, if you got a learner, then they can learn what God needs them to learn. you got someone that's not a learner because, Dad, we act like we know it all and have it all figured out, and we've, you know, we, we're the Bible answer man and life answer man. We're not going to instill in them 
Passionately pursuing more of the grace and the knowledge of God. Passionately pursuing there's more to learn. There's more that God can reveal to us. There's more revelation. There's more life God can give us. Another main thing is perseverance. The power of a dad is to accelerate perseverance. I'll never forget, I listened to our governor uh, communicate to about 10,000 plus teens. And he says, everywhere I go in Georgia, the business owners are telling me that the issue is hiring people that have character to persevere. They're lazy. They don't know how to persevere through struggles and things like that. One of the great things we can do, fathers, single mothers, is teach our children how to persevere. How to persevere. Matthew 11 and 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. you got to persevere. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be circumstances. There's going to be setbacks. But if you want to experience more of the peace, more of the joy, more of the rightness of God, then you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to take it by force. You're going to have to persevere. Acts 14, 22, Paul goes around to the churches that he's planted. He circles back around and he says he's strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true in the faith. How does he do it? We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. He's accelerating the main thing. It takes perseverance. Jesus spoke often of enduring to the end. I like what Myra and Shelley said. Persistence cannot endure without a clear sense of purpose. A laser-etched Mission. See, that's why destination direction comes first. You have to instill in the children by the grace of God that they have a purpose, that God has something for them. And even when they don't understand all that it is, even when they're dealing with difficulties, it allows them to persevere because they understand that what I'm experiencing now is not the end intended to me of the Lord. See, I can think about in my life, my mother instilled into me a sense of God-given purpose. That even when I was in the psych ward, even when I was messed up, even when I was all just jacked up and messed up, there still in me was a sense of purpose that wrestled in me. That's why my first year in college above my bed we had the glow in the dark stars and stuff and I made the stars into a question mark because I knew there's a sense of purpose but I'm wrestling what is it? I'm created more than just baseball. I'm created more than drugs and alcohol and living for the pleasure and yet even when I had messed up, messed up, messed up, the sense of purpose said don't give up. Persevere. Persevere. I like what Calvin Coolidge said. He said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. That's perseverance. Talents, talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with great talent. Genius will, will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. But persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Accelerating the main things. Listen, you have acquired arrows to accelerate the life of God and to accelerate in them things that you've learned. That hopefully as a dad, you're purposeful. You're aware that God has created you more than just work a job from Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. God didn't need a bunch of people to do that. There's a purpose bigger than that. That you're living full of pursuit. That life's not boring to you. You're not camped out like there's no more wonder in life and you've learned everything that can be learned. No, there's still an adventure. There's still more. I'm on a mission with Jesus. Jesus is going to use me. Jesus has got more for me to learn. There's this sense of pursuit and you are persevering. You're not checking out of life because things are difficult. You're not allowing passivity. I can't do anything about it. No, you're living out perseverance. You say, how? Because Jesus is the one who endured the cross because the joy set before Him. And Jesus Christ in you can give you perseverance to see the big picture, and you get full of pursuit, full of purpose, full of perseverance. So the first D, destination, direction. The A, acquired to accelerate. Seekers, learners, and persisters. Arrows full of purpose. Arrows full of pursuit. Arrows full of perseverance. And then the last D, dream defending and dream depositing. What do I mean? Well, God has dreams for the children He's entrusted to us. The power of a dad is to defend and deposit in the area of those God-given dreams. One of the many ways we defend and deposit into them regarding these God-given dreams is by what we call them. Look at this principle in Genesis 2.15. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what He would call them. 
Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Notice Adam called the animals names, and that was the animal's name. You know what that means? It means Adam called what he called them represented their characteristics, their identity. You see this all throughout the Bible. That spoken words from a father to children was seen to influence their characteristics, their choices, their identity, and their dreams. In fact, when you look at the Old Testament's father's blessings, so before a father would pass and depart from the earth and his spirit would leave his body, the father would gather the children and he would speak words over them. And the words carried mental pictures of blessing that would begin to get a hold of the imagination and the heart of the child in agreement with God's dream for them. This is what we do. We deposit in the area of God-given dreams. We attach mental pictures to our children so they can begin to see themselves the way that God has a purpose for them. Because the words that we speak create mental pictures in children that can either empower them towards their God-given dreams or hinder them. Or hinder them. See, the power of, of a dad is what we call our children. Now this is not to... I'm talking to fathers here and people with children, all right? Let's not call animals our children and our children our animals. There are some people that have children and yet they show more attention and care and, and excitement for their animals and they call their animals children and yet they call their children animals. Let's call them words that attach to their God-given dream to their God-given picture. Let's begin to deposit seeds and word pictures according to God's dreams for them. Building mental images of themselves, living out God's purpose. Let us defend their dreams by speaking God's blessings over them. Listen, there's going to be enough in their life trying to get them out of pursuing God-given dreams that He's placed in their heart. God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Children of men, Ecclesiastes 3.11. Let's defend and deposit in those areas of a dream. Maybe you're a single mother. This story will encourage you and it also speaks to us as fathers. One day Thomas Edison came home and gave a paper to his mother. He told her, my teacher gave this paper to me and told me to only give it to my mother. His mother's eyes were tearful as she read the letter out loud to her child. Your son is a genius. This school is too small for him and doesn't have enough good teachers for training him. Please teach him yourself. Many, many years after Edison's mother died, he was now one of the greatest inventors of the century. One day he was looking through the old family things and suddenly he saw a folded paper in the corner of a drawer in a desk. He took it and opened it up, and on the paper was written, Your son is mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. Edison cried for hours, and then he wrote in his diary, Thomas Edison was a confused child that by a hero mother became the genius of the century. That is dream deposits. That is dream defending. Did you know that God the Father does the same? That not only did God the Father give Adam and Eve and His creation a destination direction, not only did He understand uh, and tell them, you have been acquired, you exist to accelerate my image upon the earth, but God also guarded His dream. Look at Genesis 3.22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. Now let at least he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat, live forever. If, if Adam and Eve, after they sinned, would have ate of the tree of life, they would have lived forever in that state of sin nature. 
Verse 23, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way. Watch this. To guard the way to the tree of life. Notice the father said, Yes, Adam and Eve, I know you've made wrong choices. Yes, I know you tried to fix your own mistakes by sewing fig leaves together. But I still have a dream for you. I've still put a dream in you. And that dream is that you would be swallowed up with my kind of life. That you would be filled with the, my spirit, the Holy Spirit. And God the Father said, I'm not going to give up on that dream of what I see for you. So God the Father sent an angel with flaming sword to guard the dream. God is defending His dream for His children. We would be wise to see the steps of the Father, the ways of the Father in our own life. In Genesis 4, 6, you continue to see it. The Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it's desirous for you. Watch this, but you should roll over it. Notice God the Creator, Father God, He's dropping dream deposits in Cain. He's saying you should roll over sin. He's saying, yes, sin desires you. Yes, you're feeling these things of jealousy, but you are created to roll over it. God the Father is speaking to the dream that He has for Cain, and we can as well, that these things might have you held down, but God didn't create you for that. He created you to roll over it. He created you to have joy and peace and not be controlled by things and substances. God is defending the dream. Of course, Cain chose wrong. But you know what stands out to me? So God the Father was telling Cain, you're to be victorious. Cain, you're not to be a victim. It makes me wonder, why is Adam never mentioned in this part of the text? See, it's one thing for God to enlighten and spark His dream within our children. But it's another thing for fathers and people around that have physical lips and physical hands to affirm and speak to what God's deposited in their heart. You see it all throughout the Bible. This is why we're gathering today. It's not that you don't have direct access to the Father through Jesus Christ and you can't hear from God. It's God uses people around us to confirm what He's speaking to us. You see it with Paul. Paul would have never become the great church planner. The Bible says the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke. Paul, I have a mission for you. You and Barnabas be separated. But you know what happened? Then the leaders around them confirmed and spoke the same thing that God had placed in the heart. This is the power of a dad. This is the power of a community. This is the power of mothers and leaders. It's to defend and deposit in the area of the God-given dreams. Notice Genesis 4.16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. You know what Nod means? It means wandering. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and he dwelt in wandering. Listen to me. The power of a dad is to keep the child from remaining in a state of wandering. Listen, some of our children have went out maybe, and maybe they're wandering, they're aimless in life, but you know what the power of a dad is? We can tell them that you aren't meant to wander, you aren't meant to leave aimless, that there still is a destination direction for you, and there still is a person named Jesus Christ who will come right where you're at, and He will be a door to open up a new opportunity for you to be set free, made free, back on the path of righteousness, that Jesus Christ is available for for you. Don't have to dwell in wandering. Notice he went out from the presence of the Lord. Dad's our ability to say, you know what? The Father's manifest presence, the Father's love, the Father's care, the Father's compassion is always available for, to you through the finished work of the cross. It's just the power of a dad. Maybe you say... Pastor Chad, I've already told my children. I've already spoke to the dream that God has in them. I've, I've already told them that what they're listening to is lies. Listen, listen to the quote of G.K. Chesterton. He says, Conservatism is based upon the idea that if you leave things alone, you leave them as they are. But you do not. If you leave a thing alone, you leave it to a torrent of changes. For example, if you leave a white fence post alone, it will soon be a black post. If you particularly want it to be white, you must be always painting it again. Briefly, if you want the old white post, 
You must have a new white post. If you want to defend the God-given dreams and the children, if you want to keep depositing in the area of the God-given dreams, you can't say, well, I spoke to it once, I spoke to it twice. you got to keep painting the fence of their mind. you got to keep painting the fence of their heart. you got to defend the things that God has deposited within them. you got to be like Paul told the minister. you got to be ready in season and out to paint the children with the Word of God, with the plan of God, to speak to the dreams, to defend their dreams. Listen to me. The devil and people around them ain't going to speak up for the God-given dreams. There's enough in the world already pulling the white feet fence into darkness oh God's grace that's never given up on you and he's still speaking to you he's still working on you he will strengthen you to do the same to not get weary and well doing that we can keep putting some deposits in the dreams of our children and defending their dreams in fact that's your assignment this week I want you to take at least one deposit that you've received from following Jesus. One lesson, one story, one thing that's became a tremendous blessing that the Lord's taught you. And I want you this week to pass it on to your child or to your children. Tell them the story. It's your assignment. And I'm praying that God's Spirit would so fill you men, so fill you dads, so fill you future dads, would so fill you mothers and leaders that you would be so filled with purpose again. Oh dear God, do we not have enough people in this country? They're whining and they're critical. You know why? Because they've lost a sense of purpose. They lost the sense that God's given me a choice. That I can rejoice in the day that God has made. I can live again. I can pursue God again. That things don't have to end the way my life's went so far. Come on. May the Spirit of God fill us with pursuit again. Fill us with hunger again. I've seen people, I know people so hungry. So hungry they'll climb into a dumpster. I've seen addicts so hungry for a fix they'll climb into something. Oh, I wish the people of God would get so hungry again to pursue God, to pursue His life, to pursue His joy, to pursue His peace. May the Holy Spirit get us filled with that sense of purpose again. May He get us so filled with pursuing God again. And may He so get us filled with perseverance again. That yes, I've been knocked down. Listen, we all have. But the Bible says the righteous falls down seven times but gets up. Why do we get up? Because greater is He that's in us than the things that's against us. That there's a sense of purpose on the inside of us. There's a sense that God has more for me or He wouldn't leave me here. Oh, let's persevere seeing the Father is one who persevered in His dream for you. He persevered in His dream for us. Let us get filled with purpose. Let us set the frame in our children that they exist, not by happenstance, not just even by our own choice, but God's got a divine destination. He's got a divine direction for them. If that's you and you say, oh God, start with me. So fill me with a sense of purpose. So fill me again with a desire to persevere, to not get weary in well-doing. So fill me again with pursuit. I want us to all, if you're ready to Humbly stand. Close your eyes. I'm going to let her begin to worship. And I want you to talk to Daddy God, the Father. The Father. Say, Father, fill me again. Start with me. And then Paul says you can imitate the Father. What He's done in you. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us on the web at www.dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.